Matthew chapter 24, we're going to start with verse number 1 and read a few verses of scripture. Amen. Matthew chapter 24 and verse number 1. If you have it, say amen. amen. It says, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Amen. Probably shocked them all when he said that. But he saw something they didn't see. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places or different places. And all these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And ye shall be hated of all nations for, not, for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another. And shall hate one another. So offenses are going to be on the rise. Hatred's going to be on the rise. Betrayal's going to be on the rise. Amen. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure until the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. Amen. My title tonight is this. My attitude in the end times. My attitude in the end times. Amen. You can set your Bibles down. Amen. Let's pray momentarily. Amen. Jesus, we thank you for your word. It's already blessed and anointed. We pray that you would anoint us as the human vessels. God, we pray you would speak through me, Lord, and speak to your people, Lord. Help us to receive the engrafted word of God tonight. Give us revelation. Give us understanding tonight, God. Open our hearts and open our eyes Open our minds, Lord. Help us to receive everything that you want to deposit into us tonight. And we will not fail to give you glory and honor. Everyone said in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. 
Thank you for standing with me. Amen. The term end times is a term that has been applicable since the day of Pentecost. As Peter preached from Joel chapter 2 and verse 28 through 29, and he said like this, this is that which was prophesied by the prophet Joel. In the last day, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And he made reference that in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit. He said, this is that which was prophesied by the prophet Joel. And if that period of time that in which Peter stood up and began to preach, amen, was the last days or the beginning of them, then we who are some 2,000 years removed from such a day are, in fact, in the end time. But what exactly is it the end of when we say end times? What exactly are we referring to? It is referring to the end of the church age, which is an age or an era or a dispensation beginning with the birth of the church. And this church age will conclude with the rapture of the church. Which is, as the Bible says in Thessalonians, a catching away of the church or the saints. In which the body of Christ, the bride of Christ is caught away from this earth, from this terra firma. And to meet the Lord in the clouds of glory. And the Bible says, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, when the church is taken out of this world through the vehicle of the rapture the bible teaches us that there will be a great tribulation where the wrath of god is effectively poured out upon unbelievers and those that refused to believe in god those that refused to accept the gospel message and that great plan of salvation the bible then tells us amen that at the Conclusion of the tribulation that Christ will return with ten thousands of his saints and will defeat the world ruler of that great tribulation, which is known as the beast. He, the Lord, will then bind Satan for a one thousand year period while he rules and reigns over the entire earth. And then the Bible says, Amen. That after 1,000 years that the present heavens and the earth will be destroyed and will be replaced with a new heaven and a new earth. The world as we know it will end as we are ushered into eternity with the lost being cast into the lake of fire and the saved enjoying the splendors and the wonders of the new heaven and the new earth and the new Jerusalem. Amen. We ran through that rather quickly because that is not so much the focal point of what I'm going to be talking about tonight. And as intriguing as those events are, and we'll dive deeper into those in the weeks to come, we must find and we must develop a proper scriptural attitude, amen, that God wants us to have in our day, amen, that is often referred to as the end time. I want to talk tonight about your attitude in these end times. Or as my title is, my attitude in the end times. Circumstances are quickly pushing us 
amen, to a world ruler. Amen. They are pushing us, amen, towards global upheaval, which we've experienced, amen, without question in 2020. And there are demands that are relative to this type of structure. 2020 saw the entire world come to a halt for a virus that has a 99.9% survival rate. Hallelujah. Everybody had to don a mask and social distance and stop attending church, etc., etc. You know how it went down last year. And into such an age as this one, this church has been thrusted into the middle of such an end time. Hallelujah. The question is then, amen, asked, what are we to do in this current environment? And what is to be our proper response? How are we to feel? Amen. God's word has forewarned us of these events and those that are still yet to come. Hallelujah. His word that we read in Matthew chapter 24 lays out, amen, in detail what it's going to be like in the end times. Hallelujah. Stress and fear and uncertainty are all elements that both saints and sinners, amen, are being subjected to in this current day in which we live. Heart disease or heart problems are still the number one cause of death in the world. It's not COVID. It's still heart problems or heart disease as the number one problem, amen, the number one cause of death in our world. Look it up if you like. Fact check me if you like. But this could very well be the implication of Jesus' words in Luke chapter 21 and verse 26 where it says men's hearts fail in them for fear. Hallelujah. There's one thing that we see, amen, through uh, statistics is that heart problem is a very real cause in this world. And there's a second thing that we witnessed in 2020. It's that fear is at an all-time high. And fear is dictating and ruling the lives of men and women. Someone say amen. amen. And due to the essentiality of our world stage being set for the catching away of the church, and a world ruler that will rise one one of these days to a dictatorship. Certain fear-inducing events must transpire in this day in which we live. And this again is the scene that the church that you and I have been thrust into as God in the foreknowledge and in the mind of God saw all of these events. And He said, I'm going to put a specific group of people there in 2021 because the world would need the likes. Amen. Bear with me tonight of a Nathan Hall. Hallelujah. The world would need the, would need the likes of a Kathy Camarina. The world would need the likes of a Nancy Pena. The world would need the likes of a Gina Ha. The world would need the likes of an abundant life center and an apostolic church like never before on the face of the earth and in the history of mankind. Hallelujah. God has thrust this church into this age in which we live. Hallelujah. But how are we to conduct ourselves and with what attitude should we view unfolding circumstances of this in time? 
Hallelujah. Holy Ghost is here tonight. Jesus, in the opening text that we read, answered the following questions. There were three to be exact. Amen. The first of which is, when shall these things be? The second of which is, what shall be the sign of thy coming? And the third is, what shall be the sign of the end of the world? Jesus is not one to be coy and to beat around the bush. He's always been one to be direct and and tell you straight what you actually need to hear. He cuts to the chase. Matthew chapter 24, a verse I want to focus on. Amen. Right smack in the middle of verse number six. Jesus says, amen, in spite of all of these things that are going to be happening. He says, see that ye be not troubled. This is to be the attitude of the people of God. See that you you are not troubled. To be troubled is to be frightened. Amen. God wants us to be stirred and convicted, but not frightened of the day in which we live. He wants us to be concerned, but not worried about what tomorrow holds. He wants us to be interested, but not overcome with the worries and the political climate of our day. Hallelujah. I'm preaching to myself right now for a moment because a few hours ago I was wondering what is going on in my world. And I said to myself, I've got to get to the house of God and pray and read my Bible. And that is always, 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 always where you and I need to be when we don't have answers. Hallelujah. Interested but not overcome by it. When false prophets arise and wars and famines and pestilences and offenses and abounding iniquity arises in our world, we as a church need to be reminded that Jesus said, Be not troubled. Don't be frightened. Don't let fear run your life. Hallelujah. Somebody should preach with me tonight. Hallelujah. Because I'm telling you a message from heaven tonight. In spite of everything that happens in your world, in our world, see that she be not troubled. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Satan would like to get you and I so terrified and so overcome by present day circumstances that we forget our real mission and purpose in life and I think we're all if we're honest we've all been here at times and it's been so easy to get overcome with worry I hope I don't get COVID and I hope I don't get this virus and I sure amen I sure don't want to get that virus but that's not my, my, my one fear and my one worry and my one concern. Amen. That is small. Amen. Down the total pool of things that I worry about. The number one thing is always to be concerned with Am I right with God? Amen. I don't want fear to run my life. I don't want to be troubled. By things around me. 
If you're just looking at the news all day, and it's hard to turn off when there's such dynamic things happening, you'll become overcome with it. Instead of saying, God, your word, that red letter edition, your word said, see that you be not troubled. I got to make sure that I'm not full of fear and frightened by the world around me. As we mentioned earlier, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, not by the political climate, not by economic, the economic climate, but they're ordered by the Lord. Scripture projects four concepts relative to Christ's return. Again, I'm still talking about my attitude in the end times. But Scripture projects four concepts that are relative to Christ's second return. One is right and proper, and the other three, amen, we need to reject them, amen, because the Bible tells us to. I'm going to give you Scripture reference here in a moment. Hallelujah. The first uh, concept relative to Christ's return is that Jesus Christ has already returned. Wrong. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 18 tells us, amen, that he has not already come, but that he is coming. I'm not talking to the first time that he enrolled himself in flesh, amen, but there, there's, there's, a, there's philosophies and there's false doctrine that say he's already come. So what are you looking for a second coming for? The second concept relative to Christ's second return is that Jesus Christ is in fact not coming. 2 Peter 3 and 4 and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. This is something else that the enemy would like to, uh, this lie he would like to weave into the, uh, the fabric of your mind that Jesus Christ is not coming and the church is holding to false hope. You need to reject that because the Bible tells you to. The third thing we find explained and displayed in Luke chapter 12, specifically verse 45, is that Jesus Christ delays his coming. The Lord told a story about how the master, uh, the servants thought, our master is delayed his coming. So in the delay, in the current time frame in which we're in, we can live however we like to live and let our guard down because the master has delayed, has postponed his coming. But that's an error. That is a concept filled with error. But this Fourth concept relative to Christ's return is the proper one. And it is this, that Jesus Christ is coming back again. Amen. One day there will be a sound from heaven as the angel Gabriel puts his mouth to the trumpet and begins to sound the trumpet. Hallelujah. The Bible says the dead in Christ will rise first and then we which are alive and remain shall be called together with them. And we're going to meet the Lord in the clouds of glory. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. But we ought to be on guard against any doctrine relative to the coming of the Lord that is not supported strongly in Scripture. I came across a very profound thought, amen, from one of our dear brothers 
The Reverend Ari Prado noted recently the following. He said it like this. He said, it may seem trivial to some, but we have to remind ourselves constantly that there is a difference between the phrase, Jesus is coming soon, and the phrase, Jesus is coming unexpectedly. He says, when you switch your thinking from soon to unexpectedly, the things that are important stay important. And, you know, I've grown up all of my life and I've heard, and no doubt you that have grown up in church have heard, amen, Jesus is coming soon. And while that is true, amen, even more true and even more clear to our understanding is the fact that Jesus is coming unexpectedly. The Bible tells us so. Amen. In an hour which you think not, the Son of Man is going to come and take his people out of here. So it's not so much that Jesus is coming soon, but it's that Jesus is coming unexpectedly. And you've got to live your life in a way that says, I'm ready, no matter what day it happens on. We hope and pray that the rapture of the church happens on Sunday afternoon. That would be ideal, Sister Nancy. Sunday afternoon, Lord, why don't you come back then? Because there's, there's, a, there's a good chance there will be a whole lot more people ready to go. But what if God says, I'm going to come back on a Friday afternoon? Well, I have a snowboarding trip planned. I have shopping with my girlfriends. I have a birthday party. God is going to come in a moment that you least expect. He's going to come, the Bible says, in a moment when you least expect it. Let me talk about some something else in this message tonight on my attitude in the end times. Let me talk a little bit tonight about end time distractions. Accompanying the events that God's word foretells of and the foregoing false doctrines relative to Christ's coming, there will be other distractions that will attempt to trouble you and I. And we must not allow things to distract us or to trouble us. Amen. Don't get caught up. Trying to predict who the Antichrist is. Amen. Don't get caught up trying to set probable dates for the return of the Lord. Don't get caught up getting involved in conspiracy theories. Conspiracy theories. Amen. Don't get caught up seeing every 666 that you see and trying to frighten people. Amen. But rather stick to clear cut Bible signs and truths of the word of God. I'm here to help somebody tonight. How? Amen. To have the proper attitude in the end times. As we are racing the rapture. And as the church has been thrust onto the scene of this world. And in this current day in which we live. Stick to clear cut Bible signs and truths. Don't let persecution and sufferings. Which was the lot of the old, of the New Testament believers. Don't let it distract you either. Amen. Of course, uh, this is easier for me to preach than it is for us to endure it. 
But we go back to what the book says. And the book says, amen, that when we suffer for righteousness, we are to count ourselves blessed. I'm talking to you tonight about something that's contradictory to human thought and reasoning and your reaction, your reactionary impulses as a human being. But the Bible says, amen, when you endure suffering for righteousness sake, count yourself blessed. And and the Bible says that the New Testament Christians were thankful, God, that you let us suffer the way that you suffered. This is contradictory to everybody's thought tonight. Because I'm just going to tell you, I don't want to suffer. And I'm sure you don't want to suffer. But if the day comes when we have to suffer for the Lord, the Bible says that our attitude in these end times should be, God, thank you that you counted me worthy to suffer for you. Those are end time distractions. And there's a lot of other distractions we could talk about if we took our time tonight. Anything that's taking you away from your focus being upon the Lord is a distraction. I ain't got time to go down the list and and check all the boxes. But anything that hinders you and takes away your focus from being upon the Lord the way that it needs to be is a distraction. And it needs to be removed from your life. I don't care if it's relationships, jobs, amen, uh, if it's uh, family members, if it's money and material things, drugs, alcohol, you name it, whatever it would be that would take your focus off the Lord, gaming, amen, some things are uh, innocent in and of themselves, but you begin to give your time to things and they suck you dry at the time of your day and the valuable years of your life, it is a distraction that you've got to get rid of and cut ties with and say, God, I'll not spend hours on my phone, but I'll spend some time in prayer. Hallelujah. You know, we're living in a day where you can be on your phone for hours, but yet struggle to read one chapter of the Bible. We're living in a day where you can be on your, your, your smartphone for hours a day and struggle with five minutes of prayer a day. And you want to tell me you're not distracted. There's a lot of distractions. But I'm trying to help the church tonight regarding our attitude in the end times. How our disposition is to be in these end times. The end time position of the church, and I'm moving quickly, along with committing our lives to Christ in whatever day in which we live in, we are not to be troubled over current events as the Lord has told us. But instead, we are to do some of the following. We are to do the following things. We are to use the talents that God has given us to our fullest potential while awaiting his return. Just because we know that the Lord is coming back, we're not to sit idly by and just wait. Amen. But we are to use our time, talents, and treasures in the current day in which we live until the coming of the Lord. We are to use the talents that God has given us and develop them to our fullest potential. Let me say that again so somebody gets it. We are to use our talents and to develop them to our fullest potential. Amen. That's called 
kingdom excellence. When God says, I've given you a talent. And you say, well, thank you, Lord, for the talent. I'm going to use it. But God doesn't want you just to fill, check a box, per se, and fill a role, warm a chair. But God says, I want you to be the best at what you do for the kingdom of God. I want you to be the best preacher that Latham's ever known. I want you to be the best drummer that Latham has ever seen. The best keyboard player anybody's ever seen. The best Sunday school teacher. The kind they write books about. Amen. The best in everything that we say and do for the kingdom of God. Develop into our fullest potential. So you've got to minister to the church. Are you developing it to be the excellent one that God's called you to be in that area of ministry? Amen. Also, take heed to ourselves. Amen. Lest our hearts would be overcharged with the cares of this life. Don't become so consumed with life that there's no time for church, that there's no time for God, that there's no time to bend the knee and have a time of prayer in your house on a daily basis. The third thing is uh, what we are to do is we are to remain alert and watchful in prayer. Amen. We are to be looking for the return of the Lord. Amen. I've talked to a few people. I like what, they, what they've told me from different, at different times. They said, could this be the year, Brother Noah, when the Lord comes back for his church? Could today be the day? Could tonight be the night when he comes back for his church? Looking for his return. The fourth thing we are to do is we are to watch and pray. The Bible says that we may be counted worthy to escape the things coming upon the earth. Watch and pray that we may be counted worthy to stand before the Son of Man. These are to be the prayers of the church in the end time. Watching, praying. Help me to make heaven my home. Help me to not allow things to get in my life. That would pull me away from my consecration and my commitment and my relationship with the Lord. The, the fifth thing is the Bible says we are to occupy until he comes. What does that mean? That means to busy oneself in the things of God until he comes. Don't busy yourself so much in every other entanglement of life that you've got no time to give to the Lord. But occupy, busy oneself in the things of God until He comes. The other thing is to remain patient until His coming. Constantly watching and awaiting His return. And finally, to be overcomers of the world, the flesh, and the devil. God's Word is distinct. I'm coming to a close. God's Word is distinct in telling us what our attitude should be during emerging crises Peculiar to the end time. His word is distinct. It's clear. Telling us what our attitude should be. My attitude in the end times, what it should be. We should never, never should we get so caught up in future events. And here's where other people go to the other extreme. Never should we get so caught up in future events. That we forget the present. And we fail in the mission that God has given this church. 
We ought to expand our understanding of the Word of God as it relates to the end time. But don't get so caught up in the end time prophecies that you forget and you neglect the presence. Amen. Teaching a Bible study. Giving tithes, offerings. Being faithful to church. Being a witness. Pray for somebody. Doing something to help your neighbor in the current day in which we live. If we observe the winds and the clouds, the Bible says that we will never sow or reap. If we're always looking, which way is the wind blowing? What's the current political trend? What's the current stylistic fad that's sweeping through my school? And what's going on right now? And should I invest now or should I invest later? Should I get involved now or should I get involved later? Should I give God everything now or should I wait a few more weeks to things settle down in my life? Stop observing the clouds and the storms and the winds and just seize the moment and say, God, I'll live in the present. What you call me to do, I'll not put off for tomorrow. But I'll say today, today, today is the day of salvation. Right now is the accepted time. Hallelujah. There'll never be a more perfect moment than the moment you have right now to live for God and to serve God with all of your heart. Now is the time to cast your bread upon the waters as Ecclesiastes says. And to busy oneself in the king's work. Grab your Bibles quickly and go with me to the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Give a portion to seven and also to eight, for thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. If the clouds be full of rain and they empty themselves upon the earth, and if the tree fall toward the south or toward the north, and the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. Verse 4 says, He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. As thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. Verse 6 says, In the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thine hand. For thou knowest not whether shall prosper either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike good. Amen. This section of the Bible found in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, it concerns itself uh, the subject of business investing and the uncertainties that one will encounter in so doing. Hallelujah. With all the possibilities of failure, the best avenue has always been, is and has always been, will always be, to still to continue to invest in life. Amen. Not allowing fearful statistics to prevent action and cause inaction. But verse number 6 sums it up beautifully. Sow your seed and work hard, for you don't know what will succeed. Hallelujah. You don't know how everything's going to turn out. 
amen, in terms of a chronological timeline. But one thing that you know, the Bible says, you will reap what you sow. And so if today I'm sowing seeds of faith, today I'm sowing seeds of righteousness, today I'm sowing seeds in an offering plate on the platform of this church, today if I'm sowing seeds of prayer, today if I'm sowing seeds of Bible study, if I'm sowing seeds and I'm laying out treasure for the future, I will reap if I think not. Somebody shout praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Stand with me tonight as we close this message out tonight. Hallelujah. When the outlook is troubling. Hallelujah. We live in uncertain times. Amen. You know that. Amen. As well as I do. But when the outlook is troubling. Amen. What you and I have got to do is to look up. Because Luke chapter 21 and 28 says, Your redemption draws nigh. Hallelujah. One way or another, Sister Tamarita, we're going to win. One way or another, Sister Gina, we're going to win. One way or another, the church is going up. It's going forward. It's going onward. God's with us. Amen. No weapon that's formed against us shall prosper. Put your hands together and worship the Lord tonight as the music begins to play. Hallelujah. I want us to take a few moments and I want us to lift up our hands, to lift up our eyes, and to worship the Lord. Oh, Jesus. Come on, would you lift up both hands as high as you can? Would you look up towards the sky? And would you put your mind upon the Lord and say, no matter what happens, I will serve the Lord. My attitude will be proper. It will be in order as I grace the rapture. Oh, this church has a bright, bright future. The world will tell you all is lost. It's hopeless. The world will tell you if you're living by political party, you just got to suffer and endure for four more years. But I'm going to tell you, in the Holy Ghost, tonight, God's church is on a different economy. God's church is not ruled and governed by the authorities of this world so much as it is by the King of Glory. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Come on, would you lift your voice with me? Would you lift your voice? Would you lift up a shout of praise? Come on, if you've got the victory, why don't you just praise your God? Praise your maker. Come on, and God's giving you the Holy Ghost.